0: Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Sensational she Geek, live from Yancey Street. My name is Anna and I am here once again this week with my husband Adam, Hi. who is going to be uh, semi-co-hosting of this episode as he has been recently and we'll probably continue to do so for a while. We'll see how it goes. Uh, this week, we're doing uh, kind of back to the regular format after last week. Um... Tarot card of the week is going to be the Hermit, which is number nine of the main Ar- major arcana. <laughs> Very fun card, actually. So I hope you enjoy what we have for that. Uh, Manga of the week is the Long Hiatus. If that's a thing that you can put an ED at the end of Ruri Dragon, uh, from the Shonen Jump apps, we'll talk about that one and where that one went off to, uh, one one bit of manga news briefly, and then for comic books, some uh pretty relevant news. There was uh, the Marvel solicitations got out early, but it ends up being on this episode anyway, which is what they would usually be on. There's a lot of interesting stuff coming, or at least noteworthy stuff, coming in August and on for Marvel, plus some things that were kind of current events that are worth talking about. Uh, a couple of things for DC, um, and then some general comic topics, uh, such as Tony and Emma, which I just have a lot of question marks in my notes. Um Recent events and reads. I finally caught up on everything, so I have a little bit to say on everything that I have read. Um, new this week, we have the everything that's going to be coming out for um, the twenty third and twenty fourth of May. And I say everything that's coming out is everything that I f- deemed relevant because this is my podcast um, that's coming out, and I'll talk about those things. But there's so much more. So if none of those things that I talk about sound interesting. That doesn't mean that's ever actually everything. There's so many more things coming out each week in *Tweaking* comics. You can check out your local comic store for them to tell you more about that if you didn't already check them out on Free Comic Book Day earlier this month. They probably have free comics left. I don't know, a lot of them probably actually don't, but some probably do. And then for TV and movies, um, very minor announcements and things to talk about, uh, and then some, some, uh, I guess you would say anime news, things that are coming up that'll be fun in anime. Before we get started, though, I have kind of been forgetting to even talk about, um introduce ourselves, really, in the past couple of episodes. I'm obviously the host and creator of the Sensational She Geek podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Anna with the Comics. Um, I do Twitter and stuff, all that's linked below. I also have a YouTube page where I review action figures uh, primarily, I think is all that I really do there, aside from putting up the podcast episodes. Uh, which are pretty much everywhere else, including YouTube, that can be streamed. So the new action figure videos I have on YouTube recently, uh, the Moffix, Storm, and... um, What was the other one? Huntress. uh, The the Batman hush, Jim Lee Huntress. Uh, And then the Storm in her... It's supposed to be silver, but it's a white suit. (laughs) Um, So check those out if you are interested in collecting or those characters. Adam, on the other hand, can be found on Instagram at a link that will just be below because it's not really a normal word. Mm -hmm. Um, But he does a lot of action figure photography because these are all his... You know, primarily his figures, uh, especially recently in the YouTube page. Uh, so if you're interested in action figure photography or in anything related to seeing comic book characters posed to look like things are happening in a comic book page, go ahead and check out his page as well. Jumping right on in, starting off with the Tarot Studies segment, Talking Card of the Week, The Hermit, which is card number nine of the Major Arcana. Uh, we're going to go with the description and the history of the card, um, or rather the history of the card and then the description of the card, uh, the meaning and interpretation, and some fun pop culture notes, including the anime tarot uh, and the Marvel tarot. for the anime tarot, I also have some uh, discussion on the differences between various um, Japanese terms. I think that I've been pretty much coined as Japanese. Um for basically the hermit different things that are connected to that because surprise that's the anime tarot card but oh no it's not it's not and that's the important part is we're going to show i'll define why it's not that one so starting up with the history of the card in 1910 a.e weight defined the card as prudence circumspection also and especially treason dissimulation roguery and corruption and we all know, I think, by this point in the lessons that A.E. way always was a bit dramatic when it came to the terms that he would use <laughs> to describe the cards. Uh, but he does also have the reversed description as concealment, disguise, policy, fear, unreasoned, caution. The card began very differently in the 15th century in Italy. There was no hermit name and no lantern. It was called Il Tempo, which was time, or Il Gobo, which was hunchback, or possibly Il Vecchio, old man. The guy carried an hourglass and embodied Father Time. The Ages of Man version of the card in 1482, with four let's see, four to ten men, it shows different ages going through the period of a man's life. These were then aligned with the seven planets on a further deck in 1866. Um, I guess that was what we knew about planets at that point. I'm still sticking with nine because that's what, okay, I was gonna say that's what I was taught, but then there's a lot of problematicness that comes up. (laughs) Moving on. Um, Let's see, that was 1866, but going back again, The hourglass replaced the lantern at the end of the 15th century, and it appears in all French versions of the card. The man's posture gets better at that point, too. Now he appears to be lighting a path forward as for looking for something. The Tarot de Paris, which is the oldest French, and the Jean Noblé, or the oldest French uh, that had names on it, because before that they were just the pictures, and the Jean Noblé deck are called L'ermite, the Hermit, and that is where the name stuck from. The Tarot de Marseille uh, Hermit shields his lantern with his cloak. This one is, again, searching, not guiding, as he was previously. The rider Wait smith Hermit has completed his search. By holding up his light, others, too, can see the path, aka don't pull up the ladder behind you in possibly modern terms. As for the the description of the card and its symbolism, we see an old person, it can be an old person of any kind, in a gray hood, which is a symbol of their invisibility, as the gray is neutral. They don't want to be noticed. Their white hair is obviously a symbol of wisdom. The person is atop a mountain, and the card that I have from the Modern Witch deck is atop a tower. They're showing their mastery, growth, and accomplishment. They have reached the heightened point of self-awareness, a heightened point of self-awareness. They're at the top. There is a star on the top of the lantern of hope and inspiration. It is the lantern of truth. The six-pointed star is the from the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, the seal of Solomon, the symbol of wisdom. Its light shows the way, but only the next few steps. They must step forward to see the way. Not all will be revealed at once. It is also uh, the masculine and feminine triangles in perfect unison, you know, kind of crossed over two triangles, makes a six-pointed star. Others can see the light of the path from a distance due to the hermit's height of their light. They also usually have a staff being held in their left hand, which is a sign of power and authority. Uh, It is also used for balance. It is the staff of authority nice short and sweet so the meaning and interpretation will delve into a touch more the hermit shows that you are taking a break from everyday life to draw your energy and attention inward and find the answers you seek deep within your soul you realize that your most profound sense of truth and knowledge is within yourself and not in the distractions of the outside world You leave behind the mundane to set off on a journey of self-discovery, led only by your inner wisdom and guiding light. Now is the perfect time to go on a weekend retreat or sacred pilgrimage, Anything in which you can contemplate your own motivations, personal values and principles, and get closer to your authentic self. You can easily do any of that at home. The hermit invites you to retreat into your private world, which you can do at home, and experience a sense of seclusion and introspection. You know that you need to take this journey alone or with a small, intimate group of spiritually-minded people. This could also be a journey at a larger sense in life, which I think it gets into in a second. When you allow yourself to tune in your inner guiding light, you will hear the th- answers you need and grow wise beyond your years. Beyond your light, shine it on your soul and create your unique path. You will see what lies ahead of you, not miles upon miles, but enough to know where to step next. From there, take one step at a time. Here you go. The hermit often appears when you are at a pivotal point in your life and considering a new direction. Through meditation, contemplation, and self-examination, you may begin to reevaluate your personal goals and change your overall course. You will look at your life with a deeper, more spiritual understanding Understanding and a few of her priorities will change as a result. The hermit can also represent the desire to turn away from a consumerist or materialistic society and focus on your inner world. Have you ever seen or read Into the Wild? Wasn't that a sad ending? Yeah, he dies. Oh yeah, it says Yeah, he she talks about that. He gives away all his possessions. Uh story has a tragic ending. Yeah. <laughs> His journey into the wild was like that of the hermit who seeks answers within. I I I don't I don't agree with that, but okay. Finally, the hermit may appear in your life as a spiritual mentor here to raise your vibration and enhance your consciousness. Good for them. Um uh, what I get from this card, obviously I don't understand what <laughs> uh A.E. Waite was talking about with some of those definitions. Um, it was a little bit out there. I'm sure I could read more into it, but honestly. They thought that tarot came from Egypt, so nah. Um, <laughs> uh, what I get from it is basically just the the more obvious, you know, your pivotal point in your life and considering a new direction. Stop, take a look at everything, you know, meditate, contemplate, self-examine, see if that's the direction for you. That's very reasonable advice. As for the tarot card popping up in pop culture, uh, I think one of my favorite pop culture references for the Hermit and Tarot, uh, anywhere in pop culture was that the well version of the Pamela Coleman Swift Smith, which is of course is the Riderweight Smith designer, um a, a version of her Hermit, which was then designed by Barrington Colby, is depicted on the inner jacket sleeve of Led Zeppelin IV. That's pretty cool. Um Cause I grew up in a lot of Led Zeppelin and stuff from that era. My brother was very into it when he got into like junior high school and stuff, so he had posters. It was awesome. But anyway, also, I always talked about JoJo's bizarre adventure, Stardust Crusaders and their stands. Joseph Joestar has the stand Hermit Purple with the abilities inspired by thoughtography. What is thoughtography? Taking a picture of your thoughts? Basically, like, if they need to find something, um, he
1: would, like, find a camera, break it, and then a picture would form of where they need to go, what they're looking
0: for. That's super random. Yes. <laughs> it really is, and it's great. Alright. I guess there's a video game called The Blinding of Isaac, and it utilizes tarot cards as pickups that can be used in to gain, activate, in-game abilities, and the hermit warping the player to the current floor's shop. Warping the player. Okay, whatever that means. Sticking them to the floors, sure floor shop. That must be what it is. Shops floor. Um, current floor shop. Warping the players. Whatever. Okay. So and then in uh, X, which is not the movie X, aka 1999. Um it is a manga they had a tarot in the manga so that manga's tarot version made by clamp which is the all female uh manga japanese japanese manga artist squad apparently uh who created x uh, the hermit card is satsuki yatuji who is apparently one of the supporting characters Uh, And if you know nothing about that, which I didn't when I was doing this research, and it doesn't make me able to say the words any better, apparently, um, the story takes place in X, a.k.a. X-1999. It takes place at the end days in the year 1999. The series follows Kamui Shiro, a young esper, which I'm not sure what that is, who returns home to Tokyo after a six-year absence to face his destiny as the one who will determine humanity's fate. Cool. Uh, last two ones we talk about are the Marvel tarot and the anime tarot. For Marvel tarot, the character that this dude picked in his journal, or rather his tarot deck picked for his journal, was the living mummy. And here is we he has to say about that. Since I was doing extensive research on Hekanut and the Egyptian Middle Kingdom, I recognized this figure as Nkantu, the man who would come to be known as the Living Mummy. Born over 3,000 years ago, he was the son of Tchombi, the chief of an African tribe called Swarili. When his tribe was captured and enslaved by Egyptians, Nkantu led them in a revolt. He killed the pharaoh Aramseth, but Aramset's priest Nefres, Nefres, captured Nkantu, and mummified his still-living body. The Hermit card is partially about isolation. Being buried alive for 3,000 years is unimaginable isolation. After he re-emerged into the modern world several decades ago, he vanished again. I was saddened to hear that he was incarnated during the recent terrible civil war, but the fact that he joined with others to fight against the ridiculous registration might mean his isolation is coming to an end. That really dates this one, huh? Um, And then he also has a quote from Carl Jung. Uh, He says CG Jung, because he's probably trying to be mysterious, but it's, if a man knows more than others, he becomes lonely. Carl Jung would think that. (laughs) Uh, And then finally, the anime tarot, the card is the Hikikomori, which, uh, let me go ahead and pull that one out. What she has to say about this one, The hermit's analog in anime is hikikomori. These modern-day hermits remove themselves from society, specifically social situations, in order to be alone. Social media and the internet usually allow them to maintain isolation while finding new ways to connect and learn. These shut-ins are depicted in variety variety of ways in anime, from agoraphobes to misophobes to gener- generally antisocial individuals. She has examples from the pet girl of Sakurasu, which is Ryunosuke, Akasaka, uh, Eden of the East, Yutaka Itazu, Rosen Maiden, Jun Sakurada, uh, oof. Uh, okay, we know Re Zero, starting life in another world. Is it Re Zero? Or it's Re Zero, right? That would make more sense than Re Zero. Starting life in another world. Subaru Natsuki, I think they make a lot of jokes about that I think they call him a neat, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, is also characters for a march comes in like a lion, Ray, and the flower we saw that way, jintan. Now you may be thinking, isn't that the same as a neat or a, like, Weaboo or a notaku? No, apparently. I actually have uh, the definitions and the differences of these. Thank you very much as she pushes up her glasses literally just... Okay, so hikikomori comes from hiki, which is to withdraw, and komori, which is to be inside. Uh, It is a psychological disorder used to describe young girls who barely have any social contact. It is an acute withdrawal symptom from social life and interaction. Unlike being an introvert who simply prefers more time alone, the extent of social isolation of a hikikomori is more severe and abnormal. Hikikomori usually stay at home all day, every day. They either live with their family or have their own place. However, even the with their family is minimal. In comparison, uh, otaku is a Japanese word that describes a group of people obsess- with obsessive interests. It's not necessarily anything to do with being at home, uh, but it's especially you know when it comes to anime, gaming, or manga. Uh, a weeaboo, on the other hand, is to, to describe non-Japanese, or some say non-Asian, persons who are excessively obsessed with Japanese culture to an unhealthy extent. Uh, there's also a lot more about that. You know, they consider it to be better than their own culture, um, even though most of what they know about that just comes from pop culture and manga. Um... And then the article, the article I got this from, the person says, I would say a Weebu fetishizes and idealizes Japanese culture without actually knowing what Japanese culture is. A lot of Weebu tend to reduce Japanese culture to simply anime or gaming. Obviously, Japanese has contributed a lot to those fields, but the scope of yeah, uh, the scope of Japanese culture is much broader than a Weebu. Think for a lot. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, it goes on, but you get the point. Um, and this is not obviously to say that every person who loves Japanese culture is a weeb. It's obviously big differences there And then uh, neets, Which is the last one I think here uh, This is actually kind of funny Because it comes from the Japanese Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare They have like a whole article on this It's called um, The Neet and Hikokomori Spectrum Assessing the Risks and Consequences of Becoming Culturally Marginalized I thought that was really interesting that Japan is making these great strides into research for um, their, you know, local. Housebound folks, awkward <laughs> housebound folks, uh, which I guess is actually a big problem there with their birth rate and such. But they, the Japanese Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare defined NEETs as people who are not employed, not in school, not a homemaker, and not seeking a job. And they defined Higakomori as those who are neither in work nor school, do not have social interactions, and are socially withdrawn for more than six months. So there is uh, a legal difference, too, it would seem. Fun fact: There's also, if you want to read that article, I went ahead and linked it in the podcast notes, uh, which is linked in the description. Our Monk of the week is from Shonen Jump app. It is Ruri Dragon, written and illustrated by Masaki Shindo. Uh, six chapters of this one are all that is available, unfortunately. Um, even though it is, a, when it was being published, was pretty darn popular immediately. Um, It was initially published as a one-shot in Shuisha's Jump Giga magazine in 2020 and began serialization in the Shonen Jump app in 2022. Only a month... Let's see, June, July, August... Only two months later, or three months later, whatever, um, the weekly Shonen Jump announced that the series will go on indefinite hiatus due to the creator Masaoko Shindo's death. Sorry, not death. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Health. (laughs) health, Mm -hmm. not death. Um, But it still is extremely popular. As of October 2022, Ruby Dragon has 200,000 copies in circulation. The first volume sold 74,874 in just the first week, ranking 7th on... Oricron, which is apparently an official ranking group's weekly manga chart. The series also ranked first in the Nationwide Bookstore Employees' recommendation Recommended Comics of 2023 list. It has been really, really, um, well loved online, um, and talked about by a lot of people, both, both professional and just fans. Um, You'll see a lot of articles talking about what happened to dragon, and I don't think it's anything really specific, um, nothing that I could come across that I saw uh, about if it's coming back or when it's coming back or the status of the creator. Um, I think it's got a couple of fan accounts on Twitter. I saw someone saying there was a real one, but when I clicked on it, there wasn't anything there. So who knows? Maybe it was just my internet. Um, But then we have... uh, Basically, the story is. I'll I'll skip to this this official praise in a in a second. But basically, the story is this girl Rui. She wakes up one day with horns, and I think she has a tail. And um, at one point, she starts breathing fire. Basically, when she her mom just casually tells her, "Oh yeah, your dad was a dragon, or your dad is a dragon." Um, and so the she goes through the six volumes. I think the first the six issues. Um, I think the first one was like 60 pages, something really long. So it's a it's a pretty good read. It doesn't take just a second. It's it's kinda long. Um but it's really, really sweet. And so she obviously has to go to school and explain to everybody, Am I, apparently my dad's a dragon. It's one of those things that you get to do in manga where nobody really reacts that badly. You know, the government doesn't show up to put her in a cage and study her. It just life just kind of goes on with that new reality. Uh, but what was really odd to me and was obviously, I hope, a setup for future content is in one of the chapters, her mom come, her mom shows up and says, oh yeah, I went to visit your dad today and asked him a bunch of stuff about being a dragon. This is what he said to look out for, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think electricity power was the next thing that she had happen after the fire breathing. Um, But she doesn't, offer her daughter to meet the the father. He doesn't seem to be interested in coming to meet her. He's very much not really in the picture, and I kind of hope that that was going to be something that would be explained, if not meet the father later on. But, um, as of about a year now, almost a year now, uh, it's been on hiatus, so, um, hopefully we'll be seeing more Rory Dragon in 2023, if not a little beyond. Um, I know there's still people who are waiting on it, because you'll see them talk about it online, and I also would love to see that continued as well. As for professional uh, reviews, Brian Salvatore of Multiversity Comics praised the art and tone for approaching the juxtaposition between Ruri and her surroundings in a way that balances comedy and absurdity, Adding that the adding that the way the story unfolds seems natural to real life. So... It's not just a bunch of nerds on the internet. It's actually really good. And check it out, because maybe we'll still get some in the future. As for manga news, the only thing that I really bothered to track this week was uh, that I'm in love with the Villainess series is getting a, cook-off, a spin-off cooking manga. Um... I haven't read this one. It's actually a light novel, and it has been developed into a couple volumes of a manga at this point. Um, but I guess it's getting a spin-off cooking manga, too. Um, I know it's also getting a anime later this year, but we'll talk about that when we get into the anime news later in the episode. In the world of comic book news, uh, sorry, in the comic book segment, uh, Marvel had a number of things that were announced leaked from their August solicitations, stuff coming in August. Interestingly, the first, one of the first things, um, I want to say it was Bleeding Cool that leaked the solicitations, and that included a Riri Williams Ironheart comic that was listed for coming in August, potentially to be alongside the Disney Plus launch. As soon as that leaked online and Marvel put out their official one, it was no longer in the official one, which is kind of weird. I hope that they didn't just blow that for the rest of the comics community. <laughs> um, but obviously that's not something that they're ready to talk about. I believe it said it would be Stephanie Williams writing it. Um but we'll have to, I guess, wait and see whenever they feel like finally announcing that. A lot of things are getting pushed back, though, um, because of the writers' strike, which obviously we are pro-writers' strike because billion-dollar corporations should have no problem paying people an extra few dollars an hour or whatever um, is what it probably amounts out to. No problem with that, the amount of money people make should be totally fine. You people at the top can have an extra, have one less latte a week or per year. You'll be okay. Um, also, why do you need all that money? What are you going to do with it? Probably one less yacht is a better way to yeah. put for them. Um, so anyway, hopefully we'll, we'll, we obviously will be seeing the Ironheart series. I don't think they're going to scrap the whole Disney Plus series. Uh, and hopefully the comic as well later this year. Uh, Miles Morales is getting a Strange Academy spinoff, which Strange Academy finally finished. They had the 12 issues, I believe, and then it was Strange Academy Finals was a six-ish issue one, I believe they were doing, and that's what they said was going to be like all of Strange Academy, that's it. Um, But then we get this one solicited for August, Strange Academy, Miles Morales, a three-issue miniseries by Carlos Hernandez and Juan Cabal. Regardless of the fact that Miles Morales obviously should be the ASM Amazing Spider Man character, Spider Man leading the spiders, you know? Uh, but anyway, he's getting this, I guess, for whatever reason. It says, School is back in session. Strange Academy is kicking the year off with a field trip to New York City to throw down against Brooklyn Visions Academy. Okay, so his school against their school. Is that. Is that like go against rules, because aren't they a bunch of supernatural kids? (laughs) How are they gonna go? Okay. Oh, it's a math bowl. I thought it was gonna be a sports thing. Obviously, they're smart kids. They don't do sports. That's a stupid cliche. But anyway, when a mysterious new villain crashes Mathletics, the students of Strange Academy must team up with Miles Morales to put a stop to his plots. Of course. That makes sense. Uh, Noel is making return in Death of the Venomverse, which I guess is going to be kind of wrapping up-ish, coming to an end in August and September. Uh, what happened the last time we saw Noel? He got sent back to something or rather... He got killed. Oh, he got killed. That's true. Um, yeah, obviously the King of Black was the thing that happened. Um... And then we still have that thing coming, potentially, of Thanos versus Noel, right? Wasn't that part of Thor's vision?
1: Oh, um, man, I mean,
0: that was with the Donny Cade stuff, so who even knows? Yeah, who knows what happened with that? Because I know there was some of that panned out a little bit, but I'm not sure Not sure how that was running. But anyway, Noel's coming back. Yay, I guess. Uh, Pet Avengers is also reuniting in a series, I think. It was kind of confusing because... The creators are all the, the the artists are all posting it as Pet Avengers, but then their website says it's going to be called Marvel Unleashed, which I think is pretty funny. So it's either Pet Avengers or Marvel Unleashed, um, and it's going to be by Kyle Starks and Jesus Hervas. and it's going to be starring Lockjaw Throg, which is obviously not for Thor Frog. It's 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 a totally different thing. Uh, but anyway, Throg Redwing, who's a th- uh, the Falcon. I'm gonna say Nightwing's Falcon. That's obviously wrong. Uh, Chewy, the Flurkin. Obviously Carol's comics. Lucky, the Pizza Dog. Hawkeye. Bats, the Ghost Dog. Not from Batman. That is Doctor Strange. Uh, and debuting D Dog. But they are now Marvel Unleashed. Who is D Dog? I wonder. Daredevil. It's definitely Daredevil. Uh, speaking of Daredevil, we are getting a new Daredevil number 1 in September, written by Saladin Ahmed and artist by... artisted by Aaron Cooter. Uh, Chip Zartsky and Mark Chiketto's Daredevil is coming to a close in August on issue 14, and then I guess it's immediately followed by this. Okay, so it's going to be September. Yeah, the next month, it's going to be Daredevil number 1 in September. Uh, Matt Murdock in the Zartsky-Chiketto series has been... Uh, across the world as the co-leader of The Fist with Electra who is now his wife. I guess I missed that. It was probably some weird The Fist thing. They're probably not legally married. Mm. Um, While well, they share the Daredevil mantle. But I think it's going to come to an end with them like, murdering each other or something. Obviously not quite. It says, following the upcoming climax of that story, Ahmed and Cooter will put bring Matt Murdock back to Hell's Kitchen for a somewhat back-to-basics approach, but questions still linger about what comes next for Electra, The Fist and other elements of their Still ongoing run. Yes, okay, cool. Immortal Thor is coming in August, and yes, it is an Al Ewing project. Um, what he had to say about this one is it was basically a self-challenge. Can I do a book like that again? Can I do can I do my end of it better this time? He says in Norse myths they call or I guess this is the solicit in Norse myths they call him the Thunderer. Vr has been called or Lord The gods know him as Asgard's king, keeper of Mjolnir, hero of the tales. When injustice grips the earth and ancient powers bring down the sky, he fights for those who cannot. And when the tale is done, we will know what that cost him. This is the story of the immortal Thor. Now what Al Ewing also had to say, to add to that, Hulk was horror and tragedy, but Thor... thor tacks more towards fantasy and hope bruce bruce banner is fractured by his origin going through a hell of his own making to gain the power of a monster donald blake becomes the person he truly is inside and in doing so gains the power of a god an unconventional god long hair in the early 60s was more of a flex that we might credit though i do remember jane fantasizing about giving him a haircut that's funny to put my biblical hat back on for a second, if Immortal Hulk was the Old Testament, Immortal Thor is the New Testament. Cool. Uh, less dark then, for sure. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about Fall of X2. I've talked about how I really have zero you know, hope for this as an event that I'm going to enjoy personally, but um, individual bits of it might be kind of interesting simply because they're doing a whole bunch of different Probably one-off books or like three or four off books, uh, minis, and they're kind of some of them are kind of interesting. Now, obviously they do X Men as long as I mean X Men one, uh, astonishing Iceman. That's I feel like that's going to be wrapping up or continuing. Obviously Hickman started him on this really amazing path of terraforming Mars with Storm, uh, marking him as an Omega level mutant, meaning that he literally has no awareness of a. Top cap to his powers and abilities, um, be them what they are. So that's definitely going to be falling into that realm. Uh, Wolverine, because they're never not going to be doing a Wolverine one when they possibly can. Children of the Vault, I know you were looking forward to the Children of the Vault one. Yes. Uh, that started way back during Hickman days, of course. Mm-hmm. Like that was so long ago, ancient history. Um, and that was. Um, Let's see, that was Laura and what's his name? Um, mimic? No. Sink. Sink. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, going into the Children of the Vault. Time was very different there. Um, I think they were gone for a very limited amount of time in comics time. Um, but while they were there, they were gone for like a few thousand years, possibly. Um, and because Sync was able to mimic powers, you know, all this. Long story short, there's now two Lauras, (laughs) Um, I don't remember what the old Laura, she's the one who's like a thousand years old, who survived in the vault, Um, even after, I believe it was after Sink made it out, right? Because that was always mm-hmm. sync, and then he eventually they just gave him he his was the body only back. One
1: who remembered everything.
0: Yeah. yeah, and so then old Laura eventually came out, and now we have two two Lauras. So she has, I think it's like Claw or something, is her hero name now, like Barb or Claw? Not Barb because she's not going by Barbara. and Don't go that way. That would be horrible. Um, oh my god, could you imagine? Mm-hmm uh no her she's Laura uh, and then we and then we have of course Wolverine Laura who is on the X-Men team at the moment uh until whenever this happens probably i don't know i don't know what's happening with the hellfire i think they're doing another lineup for the x-men and i think that's stupid honestly but whatever um but children of the vault they're going to catch up on that the they were post humans i believe right who mm-hmm. who were um because of the time to- the way that time was they had all these powers that were meant to take down the mutants. And so that's why they put in this like time capsule thing, the vault so that they could spend thousands of years evolving to a point where they could beat the mutants. Just so happened that Laura and Sink going in there gave it them kind of a great practice with that. And uh, where that I believe left off was them being able to get out. I think um, but then we just kind of stopped the story there, and we haven't picked that back up. They hate mutants. They spent thousands of years fighting Laura and Sink, so um, <laughs> aside from that, I think they were bred to hate them as well. You I was say? say Darwin was in there as well. No, that that's, that's Sink, isn't it? No, Darwin, no, Darwin. and Sink are
1: two, two, I thought,
0: two different people. Okay, well, anyway, I thought... I didn't know he was in there. It's been a long time since we read that, let's be honest. Um, but that'll be really interesting getting into kind of, I assume, what the children of the vault are doing now, or what they're gonna, they must have something to do with the fall, it must be. Uh, And then Invincible Iron Man is also going to be involved. Now, I have mixed opinions about this. I've done a little research. In case you missed it, Emma and Tony are going to be getting married. Um, It's fine, (laughs) <laughs> I f- I feel like the way they've written Tony makes him not really somebody who anybody would want to be a partner with. Um, but when you go through the history, yes, in all technicality, this has been something that they've been semi-leaning towards for a while now. Um Although I don't agree with the people who are saying that their various meetups during the wars or the battles or whatever count as dates, even though they may say like, this has not been a great date, Tony, or whatever, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't think this counts as dates, but that's kind of what they're leaning on to make this happen. Plus, plus, I believe it was, was it Marvel Comics 1001? Uh, no, whatever it was that they did that was like, oh, the future of, of the Marvel universe, um, in the comics, they did say that, um, (laughs) this is like really poorly described. I'm sorry. I should have written this down. Whoever it is that was in that they see the future. And one of the things they see in the future is the wedding of Tony and Emma. That's all I'm trying to say. (laughs) So this has been something that the past couple of years, people haven't been knowing about and waiting to see when Tony and Emma are going to start hooking up. I don't think they really have. Still, she did just appear in his Invincible Iron Man series that is currently going. It was non-romantic, so I'm waiting for that to happen. Maybe I'm just not reading between the lines the way I should be. I don't know. I don't particularly like reading Iron Man comics. The last time I did was for Patsy, which was his last romance, and it just feels weird. But whatever. That's, uh, that's that, I guess we're also getting for fall of x dark x-men i don't know anything about this one but i'm sure it'll be interesting um uncanny avengers which i actually do have something on let's see uncanny avengers is going to be five issues gary duggan or jerry duggan and javier mm-hmm. Garone. there is a little uh link to that one in the uh podcast notes if you want to read about what that one's really going to be specifically uh realm of x is another one X-Men Red, unsurprisingly. I'm sure that's going to be Al Ewing. Alpha Flight, which is kind of cool. That they're bringing back Alpha Flight. It's been a minute. X-Force, obviously. Uncanny Spider-Man, which is really interesting. Now, I think... Wasn't there something about... Yeah, that's right. That's going to be uh, Nightcrawler, Uncanny Spider-Man. Um, he's he's going to... I guess once he's not on Krakoa, he gets his own super gig as quote-unquote, a Spider-Man. We'll see how that goes. What do you think about that, Spider-Boy? I, I hope uh, I hope he's the new Paul. Oh, my ends God. ends up with MJ. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Uh, but, yeah, I kind of I like that idea. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but, yeah.
1: Uh, I was going to say, like, if you're going to get somebody who you would want to have the, the noble values of mm. Peter Parker's Spider-Man, like, Nightcrawlers probably... I mean, if they're not going to do the obvious choice of Miles, I mean, yeah. then, yeah. Then, yeah, obviously Nightcrawler. It's, it's it's a fun thing, you know, somebody. And now they've... I don't know how it's been... You know, I haven't really read much since post-Hickman, but the last mm-hmm. I saw was that Kurt is starting to look more outside of his just narrow view of Christianity and what it means for the world. And that's kind of, like, good for him now because he's kind of seen the whole... Because I remember his whole thing was the... Mm-hmm. We're, we bring rock back from the dead, so what does this Catholicism, mean?
0: Catholicism, I think. Yeah, yeah,
1: Catholicism, that's what it is. Yeah, sorry, my fault. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it's really cool to see him, like, expand more than that and kind of, you know, realize that this isn't the only way to look at things and other people are different and you should embrace that.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, I actually had something that I was going to add about that at the beginning and I forgot, but oh, well, um, but yeah, that's, I think Kurt will be really good at that. Um, I'm sure people will hate it, but whatever. (laughs) And then Immortal X-Men will be back with its own fall of X one shots as well. So there's a good amount of that to be interested in. Um, the promotional image that they put out here, it's by Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair, is a little bit interesting. Obviously you have a bunch of presumably dead or wounded X-Men on the ground and Burning City it looks like in the background which I'm sure is Krakoa um, and uh, Professor X looking all sad in his onesie that he wears now. Um, I just thought it was worth pointing out that you have, um, First off, no raven, which, if you know, you know. Has that happened yet? I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Uh, but anyway, so Destiny's on the ground with Magic and Madeline Pryor. Uh, and they're all kind of facing the same direction. And it looks like Madeline and Magic... I mean, it looks like they're reaching out for each other. Obviously, it's not what was happening. But this is the way that they're laying. It's cute! Uh, I really, really... Mm. I was gonna say, aren't
1: they kind of working in limbo, like somehow in an agreement together or something? They they were, yeah. That was okay. I was gonna say
0: that's what the it was the New Mutants arc when she got out of there, uh, and then kind of like for whatever reason, was it was it Zeb Wells who wrote Dark Web? Yes. Yeah, friggin' Zeb Wells decided to have Madeline then go. Oh, just never mind, I don't like you. Yeah, that was like probably. As, as somebody and who's then he like, and then somebody in the editorial said, "Dude, people don't like this," and he wrapped it up well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of funny as like. I really hate for, like, you know, somebody who's made me read Spider-Man and Nappy, their only introduction and first introduction to Madeline is this weird thing that's completely yes. uncharacteristic. Yes. Because, you know, like, thank She me. was
0: using dark, she was using magic, and casting she... spells. That is not yeah, what Ma- like, Madeline does. She has psychic powers and stuff. She doesn't need to do that.
1: Yeah, and that's why I'm kind of like, as, you know, as my wife is a huge fan of Madeline. I so literally I have, I have a podcast them. episode yes. all about her. Go check it out. Well, and it's funny, even before we got together, I was always a Madeline prior apologist. So it, it, yes. works out. it worked out well. Madeline um, was right. Yes, Madeline's always been right. Um, and then, so, like, you know, me being a fan of her going into this and then just reading this, it's like, this is. I don't think Zeb Wells has ever read an X Men comic or, like, that era of X Men with her because it was just it was extremely out of character. The yeah. ones
0: that were the Phil Noto art ones, which I don't believe were written by him. They weren't. Uh, it was the X Men spin off, the side, like, three issues or whatever for the X Men. Those were pretty good. The first one sucked because. Whoever was writing it, um, I'm sure it was Jerry Duggan or somebody had to like fix the whole thing of Madeline's enraged, yeah. and we gotta like they, they okay, we gotta have him fight now. But okay, then after that, he was able to turn in the right direction, and then I think Zeb Zebwell saw that and was like, "Oh shit, yeah, we can, we don't have to be ba- we don't have to be bastards about this."
1: Yeah, and and I think Zeb's whole thing is that he just wanted a reason to do to give uh, Ben some. Ben and Janine some dark power-up. And I think this is his easiest way to do it. Which apparently
0: Janine's series is fantastic. And I'm very glad to hear that people are open to that because she was a really good, so the daughter of a supervillain or something like that? Wasn't that her? Her dad was just, like, she just grew up in, like, a, like, like the easiest way to explain it is, like, her,
1: she's, like, the exact opposite of MJ, you know? Like, (laughs) <laughs> nice, you know, MJ had, like, a nice house, became, like, yeah. you a know, big famous thing. She had, like, shit parents. She ended up having to kill her dad because he was abusive to her and her mom. And then ended up getting branded as a murderer and that kind of thing. It was just kind of basically, like, this, like, skirted by on the outside out, outskirts of society. And that's mm-hmm. why her and Ben kind of, like, linked up so well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so it's really good to see this kind of cool thing with it. I'm glad to hear that because I was... Kind of disappointed what he did with her at first, the way he portrayed her.
0: Yeah, I guess I also have to catch up on what the heck happened with Rasputin, who is the one from the deaths of Wolverine, right? Lives in what? Um, no, it was House of uh, House and Powers. She oh, was in one of those. I didn't even. She's catch in the that. main continuity now. Yeah, I read a couple of the panels, but How I didn't did read the whole that? comic. That's I gotta catch up on that. Yeah, that's. I was- That's my Fall of X checklist, is I need to catch up on... Because I refuse to read, like, half the Sinister stuff. I thought it was so stupid. I'm sorry. But not really. Um, But I want to catch up on how Rasputin got into the main continuity now. And uh, just whatever else, I guess, in general, I'll need to catch up on. I gotta see if that thing happened with... But anyway, by the time August gets here, hopefully everything will make sense to me. The only other things for marble that I have for August. Uh, Silence returns in Death of Venom verse number three. Things don't look super great for her. Um, Silence, in case you were unaware, is what they turned Scream into, one of the Life family symbiotes, um, which I guess is fine, but then they just like don't do anything with her whenever they do anything. They do one thing and then they put it off for a year and do another thing and put it off for a year. And she is apparently eternally condemned to these one shots. She did have some pretty cool series as Scream um, around the Carnage stuff that Donna Cates was doing, I think. Um, but for whatever reason, I guess people pirated it too much, and it just didn't get. She didn't get anything after that, unfortunately. Uh, so check out Death of the Universe number three for uh, the fans of Silence slash Scream's sake, please, please. Uh, and then they're also doing a bunch of annuals, just like DC. Uh, Other things for DC in August, Night Terrors is going to be continuing. Tom King is writing the Penguin number one, so that I guess will be interesting. I have a feeling it's going to be for the TV series. I didn't actually read the solicit, but I just have this feeling. Uh, They also have their annuals, and then there are going to be Catwoman and Poison Ivy cover collections which I think they did for Harley, I know they did for Batman, I think for Wonder Woman as well. Just like the most popular fan covers, they're putting in an issue together. That's it. Uh, And to be excited about is Nort's Illustrated Swimsuit Edition number one. I know swimsuit editions went down in infamy at Marvel back in the 90s. Thank you, Jim Lee and uh, other artists of that era. Um, they haven't done anything too much with it. They kind of joke around with it. They did it last year at DC, though, and it was fine. It was it was pretty funny, I guess, for the most part. Uh, I think they're probably leaning into the humor in this one because Nort is... He's a Green Lantern who is like a... human-sized ferret? Kind of? Fox, sort of? Uh, not sure what it actually is that he is, but uh, he's a weird one. Um, and... I just have a feeling they're going to be leaning into humor with it, but that's DC in August. It's going to be mostly night terrors. We already talked about Tony and Emma for the most part. Um, it was Mark Wade who was writing about, uh, Tony and Emma in Marvel comics 1000, I think is what it was, whatever that one was. Um, I don't know. I don't think it'll stick. Let's be honest. Um, but more relevantly, possibly, <laughs> stuff on the internet. I Has Amazing Spider-Man 26 come out now? I think. Well, if you haven't read it, we're going to talk about the spoilers that were on the internet for it. That Marvel just conveniently had a warning spoiler graphic for ready to go. <laughs> um, but in case you missed it, Ms. Marvel's been in the Zebwell Spider-Man for stupid reasons, as like a sidekick character for a little bit. Um, this is not Miles Spider-Man. This is Peter Parker Spider-Man. They really don't have much of a connection to be honest. Uh, but anyway, she gets killed in 26 and then they revealed that coming in, um, I want to say July is that fallen friend series. Well, guess what? That's about Spider-Man mourning his fallen friend, Ms. Marvel, even though they aren't really, it's more relevant if it would be Miles, and why did Zeb Wells kill off um, this young Muslim woman in a white boys comic for his character to get pushed forward? Are we really still doing that? I mean, it is Zeb Wells' shitty Spider-Man, but... What? Do you have anything to add on that?
1: <laughs> um, instead of Dark Side is, it's Paul is. Who killed her? Um, I have no clue but I love how in this in the center of her death page it's not her in the center it's fucking Paul. Paul and MJ is in the center. Yeah. So like not even giving her like the moment of her own splash page. She's not even like the focal point. She's on the of ground. The yeah, she's on the ground and like <laughs> Peter's even over her holding her. And then you're getting I've loved John Romita Jr. for years and his art, but this has been some of the worst art I have ever seen. Not just from him, but from like any comics artist. Like it's it's very bad. Like just go and look the pages everywhere. If you just type it up, you'll find it. But it's it's very odd. It's it's like her death face is like horrible, dude. Mm-hmm. Like it's I I can't believe that they're just like. I know that they, their their whole thing now is the reason why they have him on there. In forty five years of comics, he's never missed a deadline, and this kind of shows. Um, it's really rushed work. Um, and we we briefly spoke about it too. We're, she's probably just gonna be brought back as a mutant because. Mm-hmm. It, let's be real. She should have never been an human in the first place. hmm Um, she should could have just been like a kid who got powers. That no, doesn't necessarily. They're probably just doing mutant now because it's easier for the TV shows. But yeah, that was never the,
0: like the MCU. Yeah,
1: that wasn't all the weird. The the weird like you know like they were trying to phase out uh. X-Men and Fantastic Four mutants on a lot, so they made all these weird choices, but you know, it's... They could have done it in so many better ways if that was their actual plan.
0: Yep. Yep. Like, hey, this is a funny thing that mutants do, where they get a secondary mutation. I love that
1: idea you had. That's perfect.
0: And that changes, could change, like, every aspect of themselves, theoretically. Like, look at Beast. Look at his secondary mutation. It made him blue and
1: furry. Like, come on. And it's also, like, the whole thing of her and Peter were working for Norman... You could have literally done something easily to where, like, Norman wigs out, becomes Green Goblin again, and that triggers her second mutation. If you wanted to send her off, like, use the amazing Spider-Man quote sales to launch her, yeah. you know, whatever. That's what you should have done instead of just killing her.
0: Yeah, I um, feel free to look at the internet because there's plenty of people who have, like, tons of things to say about that. Probably phrase better than any of us can, but it's, like, it's, it's just not great. Uh, We've talked about refrigerating women, and this is by-the-book refrigeration of a character. Had very little to do with the main character anyway, but, you know, whatever. I guess that's what we're doing in comics still. In possibly happier news, the 2023 Eisner nominations have been announced. These are uh, comic industry awards that will be presented at San Diego Comic-Con in end of July, I think is what it is. Whatever it is. I think it's July. Um, Voting ends June 9th. You have to fill out a form to be allowed to vote. You probably won't be allowed to vote unless you're involved in the comics industry. Um, But in case you were curious about some things that were nominated, um, I'll just hit some highlights. Uh, Amazing Fantasy 1000 You Get It by Jonathan Hickman and Marco Cicchetto has been nominated for Best Short Story. That's probably gonna be my pick, even though also nominated for Best Short Tory- Story is Finding Batman by Kevin Ooh. Conroy. Ooh. That's, That's see? tough. Yep. That is very tough. I do not know the Christopher Cantwell and Alex Lynn's Good Morning story from Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, but I can imagine it's pretty fantastic. Uh, we also have stories by Margaret Atwood and Jimmy Stamp, who... I'm going to say whoever they are. I know who Margaret Atwood is. Uh, Best singles are one-shot issues. Single issues are one-shot issues. We've got Batman, One Bad Day, The Riddler by Tom King. I think that's his first nomination of, like, three or four he's got here. Mary Jane and Black Cat Beyond by Jed McKay and C.F. Villa. Sorry, Via. Moon Knight, Black, Bright, and Bread number... Black, White, and Blood, number three, by Tom Brevort, edited by Tom Brevoort, because it's an anthology book. Star Trek 400, edited by Heather Antos, that must be anthology as well. And A Vicious Ooh. Circle, book one. Did you read that one? Yeah, so I, no, I, I grabbed that's that. That's in Tomlin Leigh.
1: I would, yeah, that no, that's totally deserving of that.
0: Uh, Best continuing series we have The Zartsky Shiketo Daredevil Department of Truth by Tynion Who I can't say I'm a big fan of Philadelphia by Rodney Barnes And Sean Alexander Also Nice House on the Lake Nightwing and She-Hulk Can't say She-Hulk has my vote The arts was great but It's it's fine, it's good It's just not the best Uh, Best limited series Animal Castle, that was great One Bad Day, Batman One Bad Day uh, which I think is actually all of the Batman villains collected together. Uh, the Human Target by Tom King, Miracle Man by Gaiman and Buckingham, The Silver Age, and Superman Space Age by Mark Russell. Best new series: Atonement, Bell, Love Everlasting, Public Domain, Star Trek: Traveling to Mars. That was depressing. I wasn't best at all. Love Everlasting is pretty good, and Public Domain probably has my vote. Uh, then they have ones for Best Publication for Early Readers, for Kids, for Teens, Best Humor Publication, uh, which, in case you wanted to know, Cryptid Club by Sarah Anderson, I Hate This Place, Carl Starks and Artum Toplin, Killer Queens, I really enjoyed, David Boer and Claudia Balboni, and then Mr. Lovestein Presents Failure and Revenge of the Librarians. They've got Anthologies. Reality-based work, graphic memoir, graphic album, which is comes as new and reprint for some reason. Adoption for another medium, or from another medium. Uh, international, U.S. edition of international material, U.S. edition of international material. Asia, which is, in case you're wondering, Black Paradox, The Hellbound, Look Back, PTSD Radio, Shuna's Journey, and Talk to My Back. Uh, and a couple other categories, including Best Writer. That's where we get the good ones. Here we go. Best Writer. Uh, Grace Ellis, Tom King, Mark Russell, James Tynian, and Chip Zartsky. I will probably root for Chip or Tom King. There's only one female in that list, and it's kind of sad. I certainly know more than one was writing good stuff. Um, best Writer slash Artist. Sarah Anderson, Kate Beaton, Espe, Juni Ito, and Zoe Thoroughgood. Penciler Inker Team or team. Uh Jason Sean Alexander, Alvaro, Martinez Bueno, Sean Phillips, Bruno Redondo, or My Vote, Greg Smallwood. Uh yeah. best painter, multimedia artist for interiors. They have Libra Mejo, Felix Selep, Daria Schmidt, Sana Takeda, which is my mm-hmm. vote. Zoe Thorogood and Thomas Woodruff, best cover artist. Jen Bartel, Bruno Redondo, Alex Ross, Sana Takeda, again my vote. Or Zoe Thorogood. Jen Bartel's great, but she uh, it's very static art For her covers recently um, and If there was more going on I feel like she would have my vote um, But it's all just blank backgrounds And a figure Um, Best coloring is, They've got a couple of names up here Best lettering, best comics related journalism Comics related book Academic scholarly work Publication design, webcomic And digital comic For webcomics we've got Dearly Grave, Delilah Dirk Laura Olympus the Mammogog, Manamog, and Spores. So, uh, if you can vote, go vote, and if you can't, we'll find out the results in a few months. Wrapping up comic book news, um, uh, Presented's Fire and Ice is going to be re-kicked back into the comic world, but it's kind of funny because There's also going to be a Fire and Ice series coming from DC at the same time as this Frazetta one from Dynamite. It will be based on the 1983 animated fantasy film directed by Ralph Bakshi and a collaboration between Bakshi and Frazetta. Uh, If you haven't figured it out, I'm a big fan of Frank Frazetta. Um, Fire and Ice number one will be published by Dynamite in August. It will be created by Elementals and Fables as Bill Willingham and drawn by Leonardo Monco, Covers by Sinkovich. Uh, Frank Avilla, Mahmoud Aswar, Joseph Michael Linzer I feel like he does everything for Dynamite uh, Leonardo Manco and the original Frank Frazetta poster I highly recommend you checking out Frank Frazetta's art And what he talks about his art, it's very moving um, But anyway, this is going to be taking place, I believe Just before the movie and leading into, as it says here The genesis of the movie If you want to read that full article, it's from Bleeding Cool And it is in the um, the podcast notes as well continuing into actual comics, recent reads. Um, we're gonna cover, oh gosh, I really should have put this as 13 things. Um, and it looks like I think there was only one that I, very much did not enjoy. Okay. Yeah. So let's just go through this list. It's going to be completely in a random order. It's just in the order that I read them, which means literally nothing in the context of anything. It just means what I felt like reading at any given time. We're going to start with Captain Marvel 49 is obviously from Marvel. It was, as my notes say, fine. Um, I've talked about how I'm not happy with how they've handled binary, or rather her end, and I swear to god, if they do this stupid thing where she's gonna get revived on the planet because of the magical planet, and the thing that she said in the end of this issue about, oh, I hope the planet has one more miracle, so we buried her body there, where she was born, you know, um, if she gets revived, like, I like that, but it's gonna suck because she's probably not gonna be, she's probably just gonna go off into space again, the way she did last time we saw her, so whatever. And then it turned out that Carol's, like, new power wasn't actually a new power, it was just her going back to being, like, properly binary, kind of herself. Um, so, whatever, Kelly Thompson's ending this one with a whimper, I guess. She still has one issue to fix that. We'll see. We'll see. I shouldn't be such a downer. Uh, Silk number one by Emily Kim and Iguara was very enjoyable. This is, like, the third, second or third Emily Kim Silk series, and, like, the fifth or the sixth overall. They keep giving her five shots, um, more recently, but she did have something that has had uh, more bulk body to it. Um, they also, looking back at the wall that I have a picture of her there on a date with Johnny Storm, they also um draw her, I feel like, much younger now? I don't know. Maybe it's just Iguara's style. Um, but this one, it was mostly done in a detective noir style because she's it turns out was trapped in a dream. Uh, as soon as she figures it out, the trap kind of... Get her, gets her into a new trap, and so that's, uh, that seems to be how the series is going. She's going to fight a demon from the dream world, and I like it. Speaking of dream worlds, spirit world, which is not a dream world, it's a spirit world, as it says, <laughs> spirit world number one was really heavily enjoyable. I'm sad that it was getting so much hate before it even came out, because, uh, out of the, the couple of ones that they're doing for this, uh, we are DC or we are tight, whatever it is, the, the initiative is called of these, uh, I think it's like five books of new Asian heroes and hero teams. Spirit world has been my favorite so far easily. Um, really, really like it. I, you can say it's an insert character, all you want. You can say that about every white man who's ever written a superhero boy before. So come on guys. Um, Also, John Constantine was in this one It was a bit of a John Constantine team-up Which was also Highly enjoyable And Batgirl is in it Um, The uh, uh, orphan Batgirl So, really good Genuinely really enjoyed it in hairball number two, the evil cat burns the house down, and a little girl has to move in with her aunt. She then drowns the cat, and it comes back, which was really hard to read. I do not do any kind of animal violence, period. Uh, so she has a psychotic episode, and I guess that's what kicks off the next events of the what happens what happens coming up, whatever that is going to be. Ambassador is number four by uh, Mark Millar. This time it is Olivier Coppel on the art. Very fantastic, per usual for him. Uh, we have Codename Brazil is picked as a priest um, in a really militia, cop-turned militia, places worn by the cops that are turned militia. Um, so he gives the the magic bracelet that gives them powers. He, in then turn, chooses to give it to uh, one of the officers then, who becomes herself, Codename Brazil. Uh, and then we also at the end there's some serious business going on with um, her the the lady who's initiating all this her ex husband. He's got some something bad happening. And there's also that tease of the next a spin-off series in The Ambassadors that has all of them dead on the cover. So they might be all about to be killed off by her ex-husband's new super villain. <laughs> uh, the Avengers number one is another one that I was very surprised to very much enjoy and was super pleased. Yes, I'm still disappointed that the team is uh really boring. Um, and it did make the kind of, I always feel like the Avengers books have too much text, um, and that really made it a bit boring in that sense, but, um, I feel like this is going to be a fun enough Avengers series. This is by Jed McKay and CF Via, um, in this issue, which the team is Captain Marvel, Captain America, uh, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Thor, Iron Man, and Black Panther, very standard to be honest, um... I would like to see something more interesting, like a primarily female Avengers team, you know, but whatever. Um, in this issue, a black bo- a black hole machine blows a black hole bomb of some kind and Carol gets trapped in it and finds herself at the last moment of Kang's life uh, where he has some kind of warning for her. So eh, interesting enough, we'll see. She-Hulk number three, we can all, sorry, 13. We can all see where this is headed. She's obviously going to break up with Jack, probably not before somehow cheating on him a little bit with this guy. I mean, arguably, I would say that she's kind of cheated on him already because, I mean, girl, she is thirsting for this man. Um, That is clear. (laughs) I, I, I feel like not mentioning him, is suspect. But anyway, uh, we all know where that's headed. Titans number one, I enjoyed. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, Wally gets shot, he's not going to remain dead. We've seen this all before. I felt like if they are going to kill off a character, it would be one who hasn't been dead in the last five years, but I guess I'm wrong about that. Uh, The Vigil number one, I did not like, so we'll just skip past that. Um, I just... Rom V, he's, you know, hit and miss. Extremely hit and miss. Uh, The Many Deaths of Layla Starr, I would pay people to read that. Kind of. But that's how good it is. Um, This one, The Vigil, shite. Did not enjoy. Uh, Dawn of DC Primer Special Edition 2023 is just setting up, I guess... The Dawn of DC Primer, or whatever. Um, Basically, Amanda Waller is giving pardons to anyone who kills a superhero because she has deemed superheroes to be the biggest threat to America. Or the world, I'm not sure. Uh, None of it really makes sense, and it's very much being driven by the, uh, movies in a way that I didn't think DC was gonna do, but they're doing it just like Marvel. We've made fun of Marvel for it for years now, changing stuff in the comics to be like the movies. Look what DC's doing now. Can't say I'm surprised, just disappointed. Star Science number one, although I gotta say, going back to that for a second, the, the whole concept of she's giving pardons to literally anybody who kills a superhero, that's... Please make that worth as interesting as it kind of sounds. Okay, okay. Anyway, star signs number one from Image. Um, the, just overall, the constellations have disappeared, and this girl can now stop time. Somebody busts in to fight her and calls her Taurus. So clearly all the star signs have been assigned people, or rather people have been assigned to them, whichever way. I have always been supremely bad at astrology and remembering absolutely anything about astrology. So, um, but I think this is, I think this is still going to be super enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. Good is good. Uh, something epic also from, I want to say it was from image. I didn't write it down. This little boy basically, um, basically sees the imaginary realm. Um... Where there's vampires and monsters and stuff. Um, and it's it's a really cool setup through the whole story. There's a lot of there's a lot of metaphors and similes and examples pulled out by the writer. Um, and then at towards the end of the issue, the old man encounters, sorry, the boy encounters an old man who also sees the imaginary world, and the he's talking to one of the like cartoon characters from there saying, Oh no, the boy's not ready yet. Whatever any of that means, and then it ends with his mom getting a really shitty medical diagnosis, so that sucks. Lamentation, I also enjoyed. Um, very kind of my speed, I guess you would say, horror thriller comic. Um, this girl, she goes to try out for a play at this old, erect building and discovers that nobody inside can leave the building. They've been there for months and months and months. Time works differently. Uh, food just kind of appears and they'll they just know that they'll be free when they perform the play. So whatever that means, it's kind of ambiguous and I like it a lot. On the other side of things coming out this week, which is gonna be the 23rd for DC Comics and the 24th for everything else, Storm Number One, which I only just recently learned is actually a flashback mini-series, which was I'm not gonna lie, disappointing. I'm very tired of the flashback minis. I'm not into it. Not into it. Uh, but this was by Anne Nasenti and Sid, C- I'm sure I'm saying this wrong, Cotain. It's probably an Irish name that I'm saying completely wrong. Uh, but we have covers by Stefano Caselli, Stanley Lau, which is, you may know as Art Germ, Nick Klein, Sabine Rich, and Taron Clark. Sabine Riche, which is probably actually Sabine Rich, she uh, was Frank chose colorist for a very, very long time. I think she may still be. It's nice to see that she's doing her own art now, too. City Boy Number 1 is another of that uh, We Are Legends DC initiative for Asian American and Asian characters. This one is by Greg Pak. And then you have artist, cover artist, and variant cover artist Min-Kyu Jung. Uh, we also have variants by a fun crowd, Mike Choi, another Mike Choi, <laughs> Inuk Lee, and Alexandra Tefenki. Um, I'm excited for City Boy. I think I'll probably like it. I just think they had chosen a better name. <laughs> Daredevil and Echo Number 1 is going to be a, 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 minimal, a mini-series. It is current. It is not a flashback. Echo is no longer Phoenix already. This one's by Taboo, B. Earl, and Art by the Illustrious and ever-stupendous Phil Noto. Um, we have covers that are also by Stefano Caselli, Declan Shelby, and Jim Shung. Vampirella and the Super Sorry, Vampirella versus the Superpowers number one is following the Red Sonia versus Vampirella mini series, which followed the Superpowers were they one shots I think for both of those characters setting up their, uh, being, superpowered people in this other world. Fury number one is also coming out from Marvel. It's a flashback Nick Fury series, what can I say? Sudden Death, number one, from Scout by Alexander Banks-Youngman and Robert Ahmed. Hank Kelly cannot die. With this revelation, he is catapulted into a world of fame and fortune that he hopes will, will repair his broken family. But Detective Rosalind Lovejoy works to unravel the dark mystery truly behind Hank's immortality. Supermassive, number one, is the uh, supermassive... There is the massive verse, I guess, coming from image comics. It's um Radiant Black, Rogue Sun, the Dead Lucky. On the other side you have like Radiant Pink, whatever the other ones are called. Um, and it's <clears throat> sorry, it's saying who is the mysterious woman who stands in their way? And there is an absolutely stunning Goni Montez variant. I highly recommend you checking that one out. We already mentioned it briefly, but Hollow's Eve number three is one that is surprising everybody with how fantastic it is. I read the first issue and was kind of blown away but confused because they had just given her that awful plot in uh, Dark Rain or Dark Web is what it was. <laughs> Too many similar names of these events, man. Um, so, yeah, so that's... Uh, one I'm going to catch up on. But it's getting really great reviews. It's by Erica Schultz and Michael Dowling with Brian Reber. Harley Quinn number 30 brings us Girl in Crisis part 3 with variant covers by Jenny Frizen, DNA, which is David Nakayama, Nimit Malavia, Nathan Cersi and Rachel Lin. It also includes the incontinuity dreams of Harley Quinn, where they've cooked up, it says, a real doozy for ya. It's got swords, armor, fair maidens, and more side quests than you can shake your tookas at, with Nicole Maines and Mindy Lee, who I recommend Mindy Lee, my goodness. Follow her on uh, Twitter or Instagram, whatever you use. She posts some really, truly fantastic um, like Sejic-level original character versions of uh Harley and Ivy and Catwoman. Truly just beautiful creativity in action. We're also having Hellcat number three this week by Christopher Cantwell and Alex Linz. Killer variant covers included by Betsy Cola, David Baldione, and Lee Garbett. That reminds me, I need to ask my local shop for that Betsy Cola cover on Wednesday, because it's a doozy. In a great way. It says about this one, and remember this is the the five-issue series, three of five now. After being accused of murdering her new boyfriend, Spaulding Grantham, Helica has been on the run from the police. Now grievously wounded, can Patsy survive long enough to clear her name? And Rick Sheridan, aka Sleepwalker, continues his own investigation into Spaulding's dark dealings, leading him right to the demon Blackheart. Things are about to go from bad to hellish for our heroes, literally. And finally, Justice Society of America number four, which says, The New Golden Age, chapter four, Fates and Fortunes. Helena's journey through the time continues. Each time period gives her one more piece puzzle, but is Degaton too far ahead in his quest to eradicate the JSA to be stopped? Is this truly the end for the Justice Society? With variants by Yannick Peckett, Nathan Fairbain, Fairbairn, and Jay Hero. Some new and noteworthy things as we get into the TV and movies segment. Uh, what have I been watching that might be new or noteworthy? I finished and watched and finished Watamote, which the, I guess, English title is, no matter how I look at it, it's your guys' fault I'm not popular. You guys' fault I'm not popular. It's basically like a, like a female incel. (laughs) It's actually really cute, um, and it ends pretty well, too, so, um, pretty enjoyable, you know, 7 out of 10, sure why not, and I'm gonna work on finishing sentence of a Bookworm, I forgot that I actually hadn't, uh, I got a few episodes left of that one, and then the Yakitori Soldiers of Misfortune, I believe is what the full title is, from Netflix, hugely enjoyable, finished it in an evening, wish there was more, uh, ending was a touch, the last like line that came on was like wild, predictable, and cheesy, but what's she gonna do? it was really good honestly genuinely enjoyed it um also still really really enjoying from on sundays and silo on fridays good stuff um if you have theories for silo uh don't spoil it for me if you've read the books but i would love to hear your theories about anything because there's so many different things to theorize uh very enjoyable yeah just a couple of things and announcements. Um, Deadpool 3 has been announced that Brianna Hildebrand is going to be returning as the Explosion Kid. Explosion Kid. Psychedelic Teenage. Something? Teenage Mega New- Ninja Turtle. Nope. Nego Teen. You know. It's something like that. Um, but she's going to be back, and so is her girlfriend, played by Shioli Kutsuna. Um, you know, people can say what they want about Disney ruining Marvel. I would bet lots of money that this movie is going to surprise a lot of those haters. (laughs) Um, because this movie specifically is going to be, if I'm not mistaken, the one that is going to define how Disney R-rated superhero movies and topics will be handled in the future. And if they mess this one up they lose most of their over a certain age audience um so that's this is a there's a lot riding on this uh, not just being the third of the Deadpool series uh, and trying to beat the curse of you know that sucking <laughs> but also Disney needs to prove their point so i i feel like they're going to back that up remember they also own Star which is what was Stars which has a lot of adult topic stuff. <laughs> and while that may not be on Disney Plus in the U.S., it is in other countries. For some reason, the U.S., they just have that split off into Hulu. Um But they are, if I'm not mistaken, slowly starting to integrate that sort of thing into American uh, Disney Plus content as well. Um, and so hopefully in the future, they'll have no reason for people to question the fact that Disney can't make, whether Disney can make serious topics, or whether it's all gotta be kid-friendly. That's what Deadpool 3 is gonna prove. And they have a lot of money writing on that, so they're not gonna mess it up. Other announcements. I'm just gonna put the trailers and anime stuff all together with announcements. Uh, There's new Futurama episodes on Hulu in July, if you didn't hear. And yeah, if you're going, what? I am too. I will not be watching these new Futurama episodes, I hope for obvious reasons. Um... Futurama has ended twice now, right? Uh the first time people were really upset. The second time, oh, it was because it was canceled, right? The second time it was rescued by I think I guess it was probably Hulu, um, and they wrapped it up and it was beautiful and it made me fucking cry. Okay, now they're gonna tell me that that's gonna be re- that wiped away. No, and I don't even I don't even really care if. If it's going to be like flashback episodes or whatever, uh, previously unseen content, you know, whatever. Like, you ended that. It was done. It was done well, too, which is not something a lot of shows end well. So it just feels cheap. It feels extremely cheap that they're doing this. There is also a new Sailor Moon Cosmos teaser, um, which is really exciting. It's obviously in Japanese, and it's focusing on the Sailor Starlights The trio of kind of genderqueer uh, sailors, like demi sailors um, who I really enjoy. Of course, everybody enjoys them. Uh, Sailor Moon, I enjoy all of Sailor Moon. Uh, So that's going to be coming. I don't think they have an announcement for the English anything yet. Um, Any dates for the English release, but, you know, we will have to wait and see. Either way, I'm I'm going to be excited. I am excited. So the anime news is the last thing. A couple of, um, or at least one new dub that's been announced, Oshinoko, which is premiering on High Dive, um, is going to have its anime dubbed in English starting on the 24th, which is Wednesday of this week. So you have that to look forward to if you're waiting for the English dub of Oshinoko. Oshinoko. Um, Crunchyroll and Duolingo have teamed up with a free trial offer. If you are a, um, premium or whatever the other level member is of Crunchyroll, there are different options for you to get Duolingo free trials. To be honest, I, for the past eight days, have been doing Duolingo for Japanese, and it's very satisfying to know that I can. <laughs> I'm not absolutely mucking it up, um. So hopefully I'll be get better at like pronunciation and stuff along with that because we all know I'm terrible, terrible at that. Um. So hopefully that'll work out. And go ahead and check out that Crunchyroll Duolingo free trial because it is actually pretty fun to learn a new language. Uh. Lastly, lonely castle in the mirror. Anime is going to screen in North America at Select Theaters June 21st and 22nd. Meanwhile, Crunchyroll has licensed a uh, number 1234567 new m- animes to put on their site later this year. The first is the uh, Horimiya spinoff which is Missing Pieces that's going to be coming in July. The Great Cleric is also July, as is Rent-A-Girlfriend Season 3, and Am I Actually the Strongest? Then in October, we're getting the I'm-in-love-with-a-villainess anime, which is one that I've talked about already, and I'm probably going to try and catch up with the manga before that. It is based on a light novel originally. And then I Shall Survive Using Potions and MF Ghost are coming in later this year, just no dates yet. And that wraps up everything I pretty much had to say for this week's episode. Adam already went and took his leave because it ended up being a lot of my own content there at the end. <laughs> um, me sweating about anime. But I did want to add something here. Um, it was mentioned briefly, and I said, oh yeah, I forgot to bring that up. When We were talking about Nightcrawler being the, um, the uncanny Spider-Man, right? Now, Adam and I are both of the belief that Miles Morales should be the star of the headlining Amazing Spider-Man Marvel comic book series. The fact that he isn't, and they've gone through so many different jumps and hoops to kind of avoid doing that. I mean, all of Dark Web, let's be honest. Miles should be the Spider-Man, and they can stop doing all this weird, messed-up stuff with him, and he can go have his family with MJ. If that's what they're afraid of, suddenly not having this young, relatable Spider-Man... Miles, why not Miles? Well, because he's half black and he's half Latino. That means that people are gonna. No. Okay, let me read you this thing. I um read this in a book a long time ago. Um, very good book. It's called Missing Witches, and this segment comes from, uh, maybe unsurprisingly, <laughs> a discussion about how trans women are women as well. Um, and there's various people in the um esoteric, let's say, community. Z Budapest was the one in question at this time of the book um, what they were talking about, who who were very anti-trans in the Dianic community there. But what she has to say in response to all of that in this book, Missing Witches, there is no one singular shared experience of being a woman. It is different for every one. We as humans are condemned, in a way, to live our lives from our own perspective. But when we listen to other people and look to them for their difference of experience... This is how we expand our worldview past the boundaries of our own vision. It is astral projection of perception. Listening to people with differing experiences is fucking magic. We can listen and be transported out of our own narrow field of view. We can connect on what we share and what we don't. We can say with eyes wide, I never thought of it that way. And that's kind of how I'd like to end that. Keep that in mind this week. We'll see you again next week to talk um the wheel of fortune tarot card a new manga of the week um, new comics material and i'm sure plenty of other things have a great week don't be a dick